Well, happy Thanksgiving, Dave. Yeah, yeah, you too, you too. Uh, are you uh, stuffed, so to speak, full I, of turkey? Uh, I, I, I am proud of how much I controlled myself in Thanksgiving specifically. I did a great job. The weeks <laughs> well surrounding yeah. <laughs> the weeks surrounding Thanksgiving, unfortunately, were not as uh, I was not as successful. Um, mm. I seem to have. I haven't run in a while, longer than I would like. Mm. And uh, it got cold, and you know how your body immediately decides that you're about to starve to death, and so you just get hungrier. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm currently wrestling with that, um, wow. but I'm getting, I'm almost to the point where I am ready to take create, uh, corrective action. Oh, good, good yeah. for you, good yeah. for you. Yeah, it's the exact opposite for me because it's like getting wintry and cold, and it's like I don't want to go outside. So. <laughs> Yeah. We're we're having that we're having that strange uh Austin type weather where it's I think it's like eighty today and then it's gonna freeze tonight. Um Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's uh anyway, so I got that to look forward to. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yep. Uh so what did you so what did you do over the over Thanksgiving break? Any uh any highlights? Uh, yeah. My wife and I we uh, got to see Helmet. Um thirty cities, thirty songs. Uh for 30 years. So it was great. Got their autographs on a uh, limited edition poster, which is already framed and hanging up in the house. Nice. That's great. That's great. And Mm -hmm. we talked about this before. They did play meantime, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Otherwise people would get more violent um, than (laughs) usual. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What is the crowd like at a helmet show now? Oh, it's a mosh pit. And, and uh, I would say, Mostly people my age, a lot of guys, <laughs> mm-hmm. mostly guys. Um, um, a little bit of a rough crowd to an extent, but uh, yeah, it's right. fun. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I got, and I also, uh, I got me some uh, new internet. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I, I upgraded. It was, uh, uh, you know, they, they, uh, AT&T forever, and then they, uh, Raised my prices, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to look at my options. And it's like with AT&T in my neighborhood, I can only get like 30 megabit down or something. And so I went with the cable um, modem, and it's like 13 times faster for uh, like 30 bucks a month for three years. So I'll take that's, it. That's great. Does it have that new internet smell? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it's, I love the smell of internet in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and with that, I'm like, I'm like looking for things to download. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure that's like when you got your uh, Google Fiber and all that. It's like, you know, like you kept running out of things to download. <laughs> that's um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, uh, just movies out of every device simultaneously, yeah. just to see if I could uh, hit the limit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. But I watched um, the Spy, which is great if you have Netflix. Um, really, really good. It's a, uh, I. I Never really had the opportunity to uh, want to enjoy, uh, was it Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. And, uh, but actor-wise, he was great. Like, I, like I've, I've seen him do his, like, comedy things. I'm like, eh, you know. But the, his acting was, was great, and it was a great show. 
very Great. suspenseful. And that's on a uh, that's on Netflix, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Nice. Yeah. That's great. I uh, on this Thanksgiving trip, uh, Soren and I had an opportunity to consume a great deal of media. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the first thing is uh, I finally finished System of the World by um, Neil Stevenson. Can, mm. recommend, can recommend that. Um, that's the third book in the Baroque cycle. Uh, okay. So I think I've been working on that thing for five years. Finally, finally put that to bed. Uh, it's great. It's just a lot of book. I think it's like a thousand pages long. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, yeah. He gets yeah. He gives you your money's worth. Uh, <laughs> he does. That. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and Soren uh, somehow managed to talk me into letting him watch Fantastic Mr. Fox three times. So have okay. you see? Have you seen the Wes Anderson uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox? No. What, what is that? I can. So it's based on the Roald Dahl novel um, or okay. short story, Fantastic Mr. Fox. It is delightful. It is oh, okay. wonderful. It's uh, I recommend it to uh, both adults and children. Um, it is mm-hmm. really fun. Um, it's got that. Uh, it's a Wes Anderson movie, right? So it's got that unique mm-hmm. Wes Anderson feel. Um, mm-hmm. It's done with, uh, I guess, stop motion puppets. Um, oh, and uh, just it's a total treat. It's great, wonderful oh. movie. Um, and uh, Ch- children of all ages, children of all ages will enjoy this. And. Uh, and then uh, for more kind of high-minded stuff, I, I mentioned earlier on the show that uh, there was this uh, from my library is now letting me uh, consume the great courses. Mm-hmm. I made my way through, I think it's like a 20-hour lecture on uh, the Western canon. And mm-hmm. what a relief. What a wonderful feeling to now be feel oriented and understand um, why Moby Dick is, in, is there in the Western canon. Um, mm-hmm. uh uh, understanding the role of uh, the Greek and Roman work, the role of Beowulf, um, uh, Mrs. Dalloway, uh, all the Jane Austen novels. Now they're mm. all kind of connected in my head. It gave me kind of a thought technology. It gave me kind of a mental model for understanding the um, how all of these works talk to each other. It was great. Strongly recommended. Mm. Wow. So double nice. recommendation on that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, so I, I don't know. The theme for this week seems to be like crappy jobs. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be as enjoyable as great courses. Um, yeah. This is, <laughs> if anything, it's going to make you feel appreciative, I guess, of, uh, of what you got. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to talk about some uh, Facebook content moderator jobs, uh, scooter repo man jobs, which could be fun. Mm-hmm. Um AI job interviews and uh, an opportunity to uh, strike it out on your own. If you want to uh, franchise uh, Poco sticks for the gig economy. Nice. All right. So mm-hmm. if, uh, if folks want, uh, if folks want to see this uh, limited edition poster or, uh, mm-hmm. or get a link to these, uh, to this uh, 20 hour great courses investment, what website should they go visit? Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to go to DG show.org. So D is in Dave, G is in Gunner show.org. Nice. And uh, I got to say, this it's a good cut on your employer this week. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I, think, um, I don't know. Is there a theme? Oh, it's all palate cleansers because we're going to get really dark here. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's all palate cleansers. So if, you know, if you're and it's also think about uh, for uh, the holidays coming up, too. It's like, uh, you know, for the person that has everything, get them some Ikea tarot cards. Mm-hmm. Um HP Lovecraft has some holiday uh, cheer to share, um, you know, with some <laughs> Carolyn. So, 
<laughs> that seems unlikely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Alex Trebek uh, soundboard. So whenever you're feeling down, you got a whole soundboard of uh, Alex Trebek affirmations. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, uh, shall we descend into the uh, the gibbering maw of, uh, of Facebook here? Yes, exactly. So um, if you were, what would you call, if you were, if you, you know, I, I handed you a business card and the title said process executive, what would that job be to you? Process executive. Uh, like a very well-paid agile coach, something like that, maybe? Hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Or or the the boss of all the agile coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That would be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, no, not at uh, this company. Uh, it's a subcontractor uh, called Cognizant, and they are, are a sub to Facebook where, you know, how like uh, the, there's all the content moderation that goes on. And I thought a lot of it happened overseas, but there's actually um, like 15, well, uh, uh like 15,000 content reviewers around the world, but there's like thousands of them that are in the United States. And so, um, yeah, so th- there's this article in The Verge, there's actually two of them, mm-hmm. where it they just like interviewed people that work for Cognizant and everything. And and so imagine like you're a trainee, right? And, mm-hmm. and so like you go through multiple weeks of training classes. And so one of the things that this lady had to do was walk in front of the room and then the monitor's, uh, started playing a video that somebody posted and you know nobody's seen it before you know this lady's never seen it before she presses play on the video and the video is like depicting this man being murdered and you know and it, it's pretty graphic and you know check out the article and everything but her job is to tell the room whether the post should be removed or not Eesh. yeah and and to me it's like well, that's kind of common sense, but they actually have rules, uh, you know, where it's section 13 of the Facebook community standards. Um, it prohibits that, uh, you're not, uh, the, it prohibits videos that depict the, depict the murder of one or more people. Okay. So I'm glad they qualify it, but yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, she explains that to the class and everything. And then, um, you know, she feels like she's ready to cry. And then, uh, you know, she just goes and, and, you know, she goes to her seat and then she runs out of the room. Um, and you know, she is having trouble breathing. And, and so, um, this is at the, the Phoenix site for Cognizant. They have a thousand people there. And, um, the, the moderators, like as they watch all these videos, they start to believe in some of the conspiracy theories, you know? Right. So like, yeah, through, like through sheer repetition, right? Yeah. And, you know, they're questioning the Holocaust. Um, you know, there's another guy that he mapped every escape route of his house and sleeps with a gun saying that I no longer believe 9-11 was a terrorist attack. Yeesh. Yeah. And it gets worse. Yeah. So the, so you would think it's like, oh, OK, well, you know, there's a counselor, I guess. And so the supervisor finds this lady in the bathroom and um there's uh, cognizant makes a counselor available to employees, but only for part of the day. And so eventually, but the, the person wasn't there, but when the counselor ends up seeing her, he tells her that, um, you know, well, when she graduates, she's going to have more control over the Facebook videos than she had in the training room. You know, it's going to be Wait, okay. She's not even hired right. yet. Uh, I, well, I, she's a trainee. It's not an interview. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
So this is like she's in week three of her training. Okay. 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 And so um, I mean, yeah. kind of okay. So, like not not extremely good, not very okay. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, but she said that when you graduate the training class, you know, you're going to have more control over the content. You're going to be able to pause the video, or you could watch the video without audio. Focus on your breathing, he tells her. Right. So, and just make sure you don't get too caught up in what you're watching. Yikes. So now I think of this of like, if you were talking to a counselor outside of work, would the counselor tell you that? No, not at all. And it's because the counselor isn't paid by the company, right? Right, right. Yeah. You know, the, the counselor is incentivized to get people to hang in there and, um, you know, deal with it as opposed to like, maybe you should be looking for a different job. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so it winds up that the, the, the way that they get rated is that you start off with a hundred points. And so that's a perfect accuracy score. But if you float fall below 95 points, your job is at risk and you get two 15 minute breaks a day, a 30 minute break for lunch. And you're allotted nine minutes of uh, wellness time a day, uh, which is supposed to be used if you feel traumatized and need to step away from your desk. And this is all like monitored from your your you know browser plugin and everything of of like if you walk away. Right. But what was happening is it um, like people were going to the um, you know like if they would go to the bathroom during the 15 minute breaks or during the lunch break, there would be like all these lines for the bathroom. So people would use their wellness break to go to the bathroom, and then eventually management realized they were doing that and ordered employees to not use wellness breaks to go to the bathroom. That's wild. Yep. Yeah, and then so then it, the the this um, the author of this article had a tour of the, where they could walk the production floor and everything, and there's like slogans all over the place of of you know like for morale like posters and stuff like that, and there was one of them uh, one of the posters it it had a the, a slogan that said empathy at scale. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. There there's and we're these are these are I'll let you pick which one is gonna be the show title. Um <laughs> so empathy is scale, I like that one. But um there's another one, a quote from uh Sheryl Sandberg said, What would you do if you weren't afraid? Yeah. Okay. And so that was Phoenix. Okay, so let's move to Tampa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why not? Right. Maybe it's a maybe it's a an outlier. The Phoenix site is like it's an outlier or whatever, but yeah. um no. There's a follow-up article that came out on The Verge, a separate article where they go to the Tampa site, and the each of the sites have to have this 98% accuracy rating target set by Facebook. And um, the Tampa one had the worst performing site in North America. They were at 92%. And um, so they she interviewed this, uh, or the, the author interviewed this one lady where you know she was just getting having all these health problems. And and but she kept going into work because she was afraid of getting fired. And but she was, uh, you know, with a browser extension to, you know, to report every time they used the restroom, you know, she used all her allotted breaks. So um, a manager saw that she wasn't feeling well. So she, uh, the manager brought a trash can to her desk uh, so <laughs> she could vomit in it. <clears throat> it's horrible. Mm hmm. 
That's yep. horrible. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, let's see, there's, uh, some more, uh, uh, of the posters that were hanging up in, in this facility. Uh, no news is good news and our reputation depends on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, uh, at Facebook, mm-hmm. okay. Um, you know, there is, um, you know, they have this growing contractor workforce, um, and so they interviewed this one guy who's the vice president of scaled support, um, mm-hmm. which I guess is for their contractors. And he said that in the Philippines, content moderation has become an attractive career track. The level of enthusiasm people have is amazing. Um, the other thing they're talking about is um, that Facebook is building a global resiliency team uh, tasked with improving the well-being of both full-time employees and contractors. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're, and they're also, so they realize there was a problem, right? And then they're also developing new tools for moderators to blur out the faces in disturbing videos, turn them grayscale, mute the audio, um, all the things that can reduce the psychological harm that is happening to the moderator. Yeah. 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 Okay. I have uh, several things. Yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, no, yeah, I'm, I'm going to walk away for a little bit. <laughs> I, got, I, got, <laughs> I got a list. So, um, okay, let's go, let's go back to front. Um, mm-hmm. First is, I think it's interesting um, that they are proposing two remedies, uh, one of which is technological, right? Meaning um, the hard emotional work of – so first of all, take it as read that this kind of – content moderation is going to be necessary, right? Some, someone has to do this work at some point, right? Algorithms can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. Um, they're proposing a technolo- technological solution to this, which is uh, by blunting the audio or the video in one way or another, making it less traumatic. Like, okay, I suppose that's, I suppose that's fine, but that certainly has, that has limits to how useful that can be. Mm-hmm. Um, then they've, also, what you're saying, I think the, the cruelest slogan here is empathy at scale because nothing about this arrangement screams empathy to me, right? Um, right. The, like, in fact, the opposite. Uh, and so taking these, like, the kind of the knowledge worker equivalent of, like, a line worker, right, on, on, the, mm-hmm. on our factory floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, piecework. Piecework, yeah. These, are, these, these folks are performing piecework very much like in, a, like in the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. <laughs> They're performing piecework. And... Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's, there's a kind of a cruel poetry to these 20 and 30 year olds being standing athwart all of this ugliness that is on the platform and they Mm -hmm. are absorbing it on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And the weight of that is obviously, you know, even if she's cherry picking some stories, it's difficult to imagine that these 15,000 people are not having a hard time. They are. I'm certain that they are all having a hard time emotionally being confronted with this stuff as their job. Like eight hours a day, you're just looking at the worst of the internet, right? Right. Um, and that seems that is bad work. That is that is work that it is is cruel to give to people. Now you can go ahead and make an argument that like, well, it's job and they're getting paid to do it. Okay, be that as it may. Combine that with an environment where you're discouraged from going to the bathroom and you feel obligated to show up, even if you're throwing up, um, that, that is a, an additional layer of cruelty that seems, mm, not required. 
it seems mm-hmm. like this seems almost recreational how cruel they're being to the to the employees right the mm-hmm. actual work mm-hmm. is bad enough and then to layer these working conditions on top is just is it's just not even take the morality out of it it's bad management like this mm-hmm. is just this is a poorly run organization right and the fact that and you could go blame this on one outsourcing group or another, but I'm also noticing that their solution, Facebook's solution to this um, is is also tone deaf in the sense that they're proposing the creation of these global resiliency teams. Okay, mm-hmm. that sounds like that sounds responsive, um, mm-hmm. but what I think what my guess is what this does is absolves the managers of performing any resilience building at all. <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the resi- the global resiliency team should be the management team responsible for these contractors, um, right? And saying that it is someone else's responsibility to go make sure that these employees are healthy, um, uh, emotionally, their emotional well being is being taken care of, stuff like that. No, that's not the job of somebody up in Facebook headquarters. Like that's the job of the day manager in the Tampa site or the day manager at the mm-hmm. Phoenix site. Um, so this is a, this is almost like a caricature of bad management and and like bad organizational structure, um, mm-hmm. but I'm taking from it a useful lesson about um, uh, what it means to blindly pursue efficiency or worse, or treating people as very expensive algorithms that need to eat and go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. which is yep. clearly what they're doing here. Yeah, well, and even the with the global resiliency team, it's like, you're sort of admitting that you have a problem. It's like having a, you know, a, a coal mine, having a vice president of black lung. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah and right. it's like, well, you know, we're going to figure out how to be more resilient when it comes to black lung instead of like, <laughs> well, let's, you know, let's figure out how to do this better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This doesn't, um, yeah, this is a, this is this is upsetting and not, actually not at all surprising given everything else we know about how Facebook is operating, right? Mm-hmm. Well, also, you know, look at the you know, it's people are motivated by what their incentives are, and so so is the subcontractors, right? When you know the subcontractor could be replaced by another subcontractor, mm-hmm. and so you know it's all being focused on well, if you're not going to get you know, it's probably the piece rate plus the accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. And so you could be as accurate as you want, but if you're not cranking it out and you're not, you know, then that means that, oh my gosh, you're letting people go to the bathroom or, or have, you know, more breaks and stuff like that to yeah. like clear their heads, you know, well, okay, well, we're going to hire somebody else that, you know, their, their measurements are not probably factoring in um, the mental health of their workers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm surprised that none of these people have tried to unionize. Mm-hmm. Yep. Seems like an obvious. Well, it seems like an obvious solution to the problem. I don't. <laughs> well, possibly, but there's also the carrot of like, oh, well, you may get hired on at Facebook full time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. you know, and it's like, oh, you get to be part of Facebook, the whole Silicon Valley crowd, and right. you know, and it's like you go from being a content moderator to you know, you know, a a, a, a high paid developer or something like that, which probably is unlikely. Yes. Um. But if you're trying to unionize, the odds of you getting out of this yeah. is small. Yes. Well, and that's it. And there's another layer of tragedy here as well, which I think we talked talked about briefly earlier, which is that people feel like this is the only job that they could get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they don't talk about how much these folks are paid. I hope it's a lot um, because, again, like outsourcing emotional trauma to this 
team of of young people. Um, mm-hmm. It just uh, I mean, <clears throat> because I, because uh, being the recipient of emotional trauma on behalf of this like Facebook community of billions of people um, mm-hmm. seems like inherently cruel. And even if your eyes are wide open to like what the risks are, I, I, I don't know. I ethically, I mean, how do you, how I would be concerned whether it's morally right to be giving people this kind of work to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, should the Facebook executives spend six weeks yeah. going through this type of thing yeah. and see what it's like or have better yet have their children do it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Have their children do it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I know too, it's like for these types of jobs, it's, they're paid a little bit better than competing jobs that are out there. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, it's like, Oh, you could be you know working on a construction site and, and all that. And then maybe, you know, so there may be perks that, Oh, it's not heavy physical labor, but there's a mental toll about it, but it's yeah. office work and, and it's, it's an office job. Right. Um, and but they're paid a little bit better than comparable jobs that don't have to deal with that. But but and I think the other reason why they don't unionize is that the turnover is so high. Right, right. That would be yes. Yeah, that's certainly true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, it's, it reminds me of. A, I mean, it's like having a. It's a fifteen thousand. Uh, what's the term? Uh, like sacrificial sheep or like mm-hmm. sin eaters, right? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Mm, yeah, not the kind of thing you want to give to somebody who's uh, lightly trained. Yeah, or the sacrifices in was it the Incans or whatever that would you know for the harvest and you yeah. know we'll do human human sacrifice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, these people probably need another job. Right? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I haven't been on a job interview for. It'll almost be 13 years since I you interviewed me at Red Hat. And, <laughs> That's right. I was your last. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, yeah, and I, I just I still remember to this day. It's like, boy, this is a really nice guy with this Mister Rogers sweater, and it's like, wow, he's you know cool guy. And and I still remember the thing you said to me is like, yeah, I don't see too many resumes these days with publications on it. I'm like. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's cool. You know, which yeah. is very you know, it's like I never had anybody tell me that, so that was that was kind of cool. Yeah. But um, and so I don't know what it is nowadays, but there's this company called HireVue, mm-hmm. um, and so what they, it, you know, so the way it works is that you do, you know, they their main product line is like video conferencing, but for job interviews. Mm-hmm. Okay, so instead of you going in and everything, it's like you just do the interview over like a. Uh, a WebEx or something like that, and you interview people and everything. But now they're getting AI into the game as well. And so they have, um, uh, they say that, um, so basically you, you do this 30-minute assessment, basically talking to an AI on camera. And they say that um, the half a dozen questions that they ask you can yield up to 500,000 data points. So then, then the thing becomes uh, the thing that they they ask is that where the problem that people have is that it's like if you don't make it for the job, you can't find out why you weren't hired. 
And so the the people at higher view are saying that, oh, well, you know, our space age algorithm is is so great and everything. And it's like it it eliminates the cognitive biases that people have, you know, in terms of, you know, like, oh, is this lady pretty or something or or I don't like the way this guy's suit is or something like that. They could bias you or or whatever, you know, if it's for um you know, diversity biases and things like that. They they say that their algorithms eliminate most of that uh, in a way that wasn't possible before. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing he said uh, was that um, this is a CTO of of Higher View. He said that one one thousand people apply for one job, nine hundred ninety nine people are going to get rejected, whether a company uses AI or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's hardly the point. <laughs> that's, a, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's not a great answer. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, but the thing here is that, is that um, you know, so they, you know, th- there are people that don't know, like, okay, what am I, so if I'm going to have this sort of interview, what should I do to basically game the system so I have a good interview? And mm-hmm. And people would talk behind the scenes. It's like, oh, and then there's also concerns too that it's like if this person doesn't speak English as their native language, so then they'll feel more anxious or something like that. Maybe that could disqualify them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said that like uh, Hilton, uh, they cited as as one example where um, they shrunk their average hiring time from uh, six weeks to five days. And um, Unilever, it helped. Uh, Unilever save 100,000 hours of interviewing time and roughly 1 million in recruiting costs a year. And it also steers managers away from hiring mini-me's who look and act just like them, boosting the company's diversity hires, as she called them, by 16%. Yeah, I mean, that all sounds like stuff out of the... uh... Um, that that's all sounds like stuff out of the brochure. I mean, I would want to see, I would want to see that compared to things like less problematic, uh, mm-hmm. tactics, like taking people's names off of resumes, mm-hmm. for example. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, there is, it, it seems like there are a hundred things you could do to improve the efficiency of the process, um, and improve the objectivity of the process that doesn't include, inserting a an obviously problematic algorithm in the middle of it you know what i mean mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i feel like if the going from six weeks to five days i mean i can imagine that being more about it being easier to schedule people right um mm-hmm. and less about i mean i'm not sure why having an ai would make that suddenly a more efficient process um well, maybe maybe it's that uh, well we could do less interviews and all the scheduling associated with it by doing a thirty minute go no go with an AI and and believing in the AI so you could do you could do less interviews. Well, you know, or they could just subcontract this whole thing out to Cognizant mm-hmm. and have yep. them uh, have them just bring and people in. could watch they could just watch the videos don't use an AI. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, give them a break. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, and this is the thing. It's like I, I hear about you know these things, and then I could only imagine that these companies having this sign that says, you know, was it people are our greatest asset? Yeah. But you're really what? What are you telling your potential interviewees that, like, before you even interview with us, I want you to talk to a computer screen for a half hour. 
Yeah. Well, so the, we'll turn it around. Let's say it's um, – <clears throat> so in the same way that you know some jobs make you take a test before mm-hmm. you apply. Like if you want to be a, if you want to work for the post office, you take a multiple mm-hmm. choice test and it's meant to, um, it's meant to sort wheat from chaff, like narrow the, narrow the pool of applicants. Um, mm-hmm. is this, this is, you could, part of the, I think part of the reaction to this is that it being described as like an AI interview automatically triggers like, Oh wait, you're replacing a human experience with this AI experience. And that seems automatically makes you skeptical. But if it was framed mm-hmm. as, um, uh, and I think they use the language here somewhere as like a, describing it not as an interview by a, by a robot, but like more, and it's an assessment tool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then it becomes about, you know, the, these hiring tests or really any of these multiple choice tests, um, you know, the, the tests they use to get you into college, the tests they use to, to, in, in applications, these are all tested for objectivity. Like there, there are like rigorous mm-hmm. ways that, for example, like the, um, uh, the LSATs, right? Um, mm-hmm. They go out of their way to make sure that the LSAT is not biased for, you know, um, not biased for culture or ethnicity and things like this. I will go out on a limb and say that that is not the case for this. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that these algorithms um, or these these models are black boxes is, in fact, the mm-hmm. problem. If there was a little more transparency to them. Um, I mean, if I was working for higher view, I would have an entire like part of my literature, part of my selling point would be like how transparent the, how transparent these models are. Um, mm-hmm. Because that only increases the amount of trust that my customers are going to have in it. And it also inoculates me against criticism later. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because you don't want applicants walking out, not knowing why they were rejected. Um, right. That's. Or, that's... or they could believe that, Oh, it's because I'm, uh, you know, not uh a white male or something, yeah. or they could believe that where it could have been something else. And, that's right. but that, I think that's a challenge with AI of, of like a lot of times, even the people that write the AI and trained it don't know, mm-hmm. you know, they can't describe what happened. Yeah. And it makes me, and it makes me wonder too, exactly how hard the science is around um, like connecting things like facial expressions or tone of voice or whatever to mm-hmm. people's personality or uh, disposition. Um, mm-hmm. I know why that works on paper, but in fact, like, isn't it, don't, don't we know that that's, like, it's just a, it's a, it seems like it's a hair's breadth from phrenology. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Or, or imagine getting like a Midwest person interviewing alongside somebody from Philadelphia and somebody from the Bronx, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's just a different attitude and that they may come across. Whereas if that person acted a, like the New York way in the Midwest, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Or, if the Midwest person or, you know, you get a Midwest person doing the New York job, they may just get run over yeah. uh, for not standing, uh, standing up for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, All right. <clears throat> anyway, thumbs down over here. Not, not okay. going to be, not going to be doing it. Okay. All right. All right. So we're not going to do the interview. Okay. What if you had the opportunity to be a, a scooter repo man? I have so actually in my neighborhood, um, my sidewalks are lousy with abandoned scooters because um, wow. I because I live uh, about two blocks from a very kind of high traffic uh, corridor in Austin. Mm-hmm. Lots of tourists, so we get lots of nightlife and stuff, and so we get lots of uh, lots of scooters. And um, on my run in the morning, uh, I am often interrupted in my run by a scooter that is just strewn across the sidewalk, and I have to like pick it up, move it to the side, 
and then continue mm. with my run. Um, I have a personal seething hatred for scooters in the scooter business. And so every time I see somebody grab a scooter and throw it in the back of their pickup truck, I feel a little bit better. Mm, nice. Nice. Yeah. So, so you've never ridden one? No, absolutely not. Just out, out of principle. Yeah. Okay. Don't care for it. All right. Yeah. 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 So there's this article, uh, in San Diego, there's this, uh, repo man that he's a traditional repo man, but now he's actually grabbing these off the street throws them in the truck and then uh, takes them back to his repo yard and everything. And what he's, he's done is he would write these um, basically give tickets or I wouldn't call it holding the scooters for ransom, but mm -hmm. like Lime and whoever, they actually have to go to the repo yard and pay to get, um, to get the scooters back. Yep. And yeah. And, and it's also, you know, sanctioned by the city because they see it as a like it's it's basically a ticketable offense for like leaving a scooter laying around but you know i also wonder too if what what you know like if uh, so i've never used a scooter myself mm -hmm. and but let's say if i did and i'm a conscientious person and i park it nicely in mm -hmm. front of your house mm -hmm. um but what what would happen if somebody some ruffian or somebody that a scooter hater goes by and they, they hate it and, and it's like they see it nicely parked, but then they grab it and then they throw it in your yard. Mm -hmm. um, now, is it the scooter company's fault because it's dockless? Is it the scooter flinger? Is it, it's not the rider that just rode it, but you know, how do, how do you solve that problem? Uh, I think you charge the scooter company. Mm-hmm. I think you start start a scooter company. I mean, you know, if you could, uh, if a cop was walking by, he could probably go arrest the scooter flinger for, uh, mm -hmm. um, for something. I don't know, dumping, I guess. Um, yeah. But the uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I mean, I think these, these these scooter outfits just. I think they just have to take this as the, like the cost of doing business. Like this is what it means to run a dockless operation. Is you mm -hmm. just gotta, you have to pay somebody to go clean up the trash that you and your customers mm -hmm. have left strewn around the city. That's what I think. About mm -hmm. it, right. Yeah. Yep. And then, then you got the, uh, the juicers as Lime calls them, the, the people that run around and they, they, uh, you know, with a, they find the, the scooters that are low on batteries and they'll pick them up and then they'll charge them up and then set them loose mm -hmm. again and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're actually breaking into the, uh, impound storage units trying to, uh, <laughs> you know, steal the, you know, to, to lift the thing. So it's, it's pretty, it's getting pretty aggressive. And, yeah. um, yeah. So scoot scoop, uh, charges, uh, 30 bucks to pick up a scooter and $2 for additional day, uh, capping the fees off after a month. All right. Great. They're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Good, good business. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. If, if you're not pro scooter, would you be uh, for the gig economy? What about uh, pogo sticks for the uh, gig economy? I think it sounds like a ruthlessly efficient way of weeding out the tourist population. <laughs> yeah, Darwinism. Yeah, yeah, that's try right. That, try yeah. that in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. the herd. <laughs> yeah, there is a uh, – and so this came out a while ago where um, there's a Swedish company called uh, Kangaroo. Uh, so, uh, with a C mm -hmm. and so what they want to do is deploy hundreds of pogo sticks in select cities, uh, 
around the United States and elsewhere where you could pay a dollar to unlock the pogo stick and then 30 cents a minute after that. <laughs> uh, no. And But they have rules. Um, you can't take them on highways and you can't have passengers. <laughs> it's a joke, right? I guess, I guess. But they also said that uh, we highly recommend that you use kangaroo when you're sober and wear a helmet. When you're using a kangaroo, you'll be high enough on life itself. <laughs> so this this article actually came out in the spring, and they said it was supposed to come out in the summer, but I haven't seen it yet, and I keep looking. I'm shocked. Um, I'm shocked. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. No, but the, so, supposedly, in addition to doing this, there's like... Um, they're also this, the parent company is known for uh, public relations, mm -hmm. um, so I wonder if there's something going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a. Uh, <laughs> it's actually. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> they're actually they're chiropractors actually. <laughs> so they're, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like dentists that sell candy. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Yeah, they give you candy on the way out. The you know, <laughs> chiropractor gives you a, a pogo stick on the yeah, way out to right. the office. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, but I could only, I could imagine it of like like you know, you you go out on a Friday night in Austin or DC or something and you see these hipsters like zipping around on their scooters. I could imagine some guy in a man bun just going by on a pogo stick. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ostentatiously, right? Like with like yeah. with a with a parrot on his shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. yeah, <laughs> again, <laughs> yeah, again, basically I think the only customers of kangaroo you're going to get are, uh, are actual drunk people. Like those are the people who are going to be using it. It's like, it's like, it's a self-selecting sample, right? It's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They can't help the themselves. Highway. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Crossing the street. I can only imagine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Great. Yep. All right. Um, so what did we learn today? Uh, don't work for a company that is outsourcing emotional trauma. Okay. Uh, clean up your damn scooter. <laughs> Off your lawn. <line. laughs> That's right. And, uh, and, uh, and what? And, uh, oh, and uh, if a company tries to interview you with a robot, do not take the job. Mm -hmm. that's what i'm yep. walking out okay yeah fair enough all right well good so if if people need uh to uh get some uh holiday cheer with uh some lovecraft uh christmas songs where do we need to send them yeah if you've if you've never heard i saw mommy kissing yog satoff um you should uh <laughs> you should, you should treat, yourself. treat, treat yourself treat yourself yeah. <laughs> this holiday season with, with a quick visit to uh dgshow.org mm -hmm. that's d as in dave g as in gunner show.org yeah, and the, the I don't know if you went to the website, but um, they actually have sheet music uh, too for uh, personal use. Only. <laughs> that's great. So if you want to go caroling, have at it. Yeah, that's great. All right, thanks, Dave. Yeah, stay fit, stay safe out there. <laughs> boing 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 boing. <laughs>